Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I hope you guys are all doing really well. I'm finally sitting down and recording my long-awaited episode on sustainability, like I mentioned almost over a month ago now. But before we get started, um, I'm using a different mic today, um, so I hope that the sound quality isn't too much different. I don't know if I'll be using this one from now on. I'm just testing it out to see how it goes. Um, so my apologies in advance if it doesn't sound that great, but hopefully everything is all okay and you're still able to hear me all right. Starting off um, with our weekly highs and weekly lows, I actually don't have any notes from weekly highs and lows this time around, so I'm just going to be making them up on the spot. Um, so I guess my first weekly high is last week when I was in the clinic, we had a dog that came in and we always do physical exams whenever we have um, appointments so the doctor was just using a stethoscope to listen to his heart and his chest and he noticed that this dog in particular had a heart murmur so he let me and the other technician listen to this dog's heart murmur through his stethoscope which is really cool because um, i've never actually used a stethoscope myself before and obviously as someone who wants to go to vet school like being able to listen to um, heart sounds and like lungs, making sure they're all okay is an important part of the job. So it was really cool just to be able to experience that, and especially because it was an abnormal heart sound. I believe heart murmurs are caused due to like some type of heart valve malfunction. So like it doesn't close properly or something like that. Um, I'm planning on doing some research on it just because I'm curious. Um, my second weekly high it's not really something that's happened already but it's more something that i'm looking forward to Um, my family and i we are going on a little mini vacation on like a bit of a road trip um next weekend so i'm excited for that just because it's been a really long time since we've traveled or had any road trips due to the pandemic so i'm looking forward to that because we're going to be staying at a hotel We're going to be doing a road trip up to, I think, Gravenhurst, Ontario, Um, and apparently it's really nice up there, so I'm excited to finally just do things this summer, because I feel like the last two summers we haven't really been able to do much. My weekly lows, um, it's just my allergies have been really bad lately. Um, It's been really hot the past, like, well, actually, it's not that hot today, and it wasn't that bad yesterday, but all of last week, it was really, really hot, and I find that my allergies tend to be a lot worse um, when it's really humid outside. Um, I do take, like, allergy, like, over-the-counter allergy meds, um, but still, they're not fun to deal with, but other than that, I've been in a pretty good mood lately. Um, Summer has officially started. My mom will be getting off work soon because she only teach she's a teacher so she will be <clears throat> off school starting tomorrow i think is her last day yes because july 1st is canada day which is a holiday so it's exciting um on to my recent favorites my first one is pineapple pineapple is one of those fruits that we never really eat very often i feel like it's only ever in season in the summer and you know, it's not something, like I said, that I eat very often, but I've been getting pineapple from the grocery store and it tastes so, so good. 
Um, I have tried a pineapple booster juice drink a couple years ago. I can't remember what it's called, but booster juice is one of my favorite places for like smoothies and stuff. And they, my two favorite flavors are mango hurricane and strawberry sunshine. But I do remember also trying a pineapple drink of theirs. I don't remember the exact name, but I've really been enjoying it. Um, uh, I'm one of those people that doesn't mind pineapple on pizza. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but I also don't think it's weird like a lot of people think it is. Um, I've been wanting to try grilled pineapple. I know that's a thing. Never actually tried it myself, so who knows? Maybe we'll try it sometime in the summer. Another favorite that I have is one of the K dramas that I just finished watching. It's called Weightlifting Fairy Kim Bokju. I really like the plot of this drama and I really liked all of the characters. Um, and it was just a really good, wholesome K drama. It's one of the first K dramas that I've ever seen. Um, the first one that I ever saw was Business Proposal. I think I talked about it before. I didn't mind that one. It wasn't my favorite, but I see why a lot of people liked it. Um, but Weightlifting Fairy is definitely my favorite so far. There's another one that I started watching called Sky Castle. I'm only on the second episode, so I'll keep you guys updated to how that goes. My last favorite that I have for you guys for this week is a group called The Aces. I believe they're an American girl group, and they're not like, you know, they're not like new or super popular, I don't think, but I discovered their music while listening to like some random person's playlist on Spotify, and I've really been liking their music lately. So those are my favorites for this week. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about sustainability today. Um, this is an issue that is very dear to my heart and something that I'm very passionate about. Um, so with that, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and thank you so much for listening. The first thing I kind of want to start off with is giving you guys a bit of a disclaimer before we um, get into our conversation for today. I don't want to make it seem like practicing sustainability is easy because I don't think it necessarily is. Depending on where you live and your financial situation and other factors, practicing sustainability might be easier for some people more than others. And over the years, I've learned that it's a privilege to be able to practice certain ways of sustainability and some are more realistic than others. For example, recycling versus going vegan. One is obviously a more extreme version and one is a bit more easier and realistic that a more general population can practice rather than going vegan. Not that I have anything against veganism. This episode isn't going to be one where I persuade you to do more complex things to be more eco-friendly such as investing in like solar panels or investing in hybrid or electric cars i simply want to give you some ideas on how you can try and be more sustainable while still being realistic like i said some things are more realistic than others while other things such as buying a tesla or going vegan is not going to be for everyone for multiple different reasons Living a sustainable lifestyle can be very expensive depending on what it is you're trying to achieve. But again, depending on what you're actually trying to do and the ways it, in which you contribute to saving our environment, it can be still very affordable. 
Sustainability to me is what you can do to help save the planet. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to do absolutely everything. There are many ways that you can help save the environment and not everyone can do everything and that's okay. The reason why I wanted to include this disclaimer is because like I said, I realize that it is a privilege to be able to practice sustainability and there are many factors that go into what different individuals are able to do. Um, I follow this YouTuber named Polly Gabrielle, um, and she's someone that I actually really enjoy watching her videos. I feel like I can relate to her personality a lot. Um, she is a vegan YouTuber, um, but she really does stress the importance of sustainability and being eco-friendly. And I've talked about things like being vegan and vegetarian. For those of you that don't know, I am a vegetarian. Um, but there is an entire episode where I talk about my decision to be vegetarian and my whole opinion on like plant-based diets and veganism that I did way back ago. It's been like more than six months now. I think I released it in October. So if you are interested in hearing my thoughts on plant-based diets, that episode is there. And I encourage you to go listen to it because my entire story of why I chose vegetarianism is all in that episode. But anyway, going back to talking about Holly. So a while back now, Holly released this video that I actually didn't watch uh, about her and her mom going on this cruise ship. Um, I don't exactly know what the video was on, but I know that it had something to do with the cruise ship. And then she ended up deleting the video and she posted on like her community tab on her YouTube channel explaining that she had received criticism from some of her viewers for going on this cruise ship when she is someone that really promotes sustainability and living a green lifestyle. And when I read this, I kind of just arched my eyebrow a little bit because like I said, you're not able to do everything. And a lot of people that had commented on the community post were very supportive and just saying that like she shouldn't feel bad for going on a cruise ship despite being someone that promotes sustainability and is an advocate for things like that. Because again, you're not going to be able to do everything. I think the people that were criticizing her, while I understand where they were coming from, they could have criticized her for using electricity. You know, they might as well have called her out for driving a car or drinking water or again using things like electricity because all those things are bad for the environment as well and those things you know using electricity driving stuff like that is something that you do on a more regular basis versus going on a cruise trip it's not really something you do on a day-to-day -day basis and it's something that you kind of only ever do once in a lifetime maybe more so that's kind of why i wanted to bring up the disclaimers because you're not going to be able to do everything. Nobody's perfect. And it's more about making small adjustments to your everyday lifestyle rather than eliminating really big things like not traveling or not going on airplanes or things like that. Because again, you only ever do those however many times. You don't really get to do that as, as often. You know, you going on an airplane every now and then, you know, is not as bad as compared to using a plastic water bottle every single day or something like that or having a lot of food waste so that's kind of why i wanted to make the disclaimer is just to really kind of promote the idea that you don't have to do everything you don't have to be perfect it's more of 
the small changes that you can make to your lifestyle to be more eco-friendly. The first thing that I want to talk about in this episode are just some very simple ideas that I either have tried myself or have heard of that you can use um, or that you can incorporate into your own lifestyle to be more eco-friendly and to just be um, be more mindful of the environment. A lot of these things are obvious, some of them are a bit less obvious, and like I said, I don't do all of these things myself, but a lot of them I do. So the first one that I have for you is just being able to reuse things or buying reusable items such as reusable water bottles, reusable grocery bags, coffee mugs, travel mugs, straws, things like that, instead of using um, like plastic things or things that you would dispose of after a single use. Um, one thing I know is that at my university and I'm sure at other universities and schools is that if you buy like a coffee or something from a coffee shop like at a Starbucks or Tim Hortons, um, they encourage you to bring your own mug, like your own like travel mug, which is what I did all throughout university is I'd bring my own travel mug if I ever wanted like tea or hot chocolate. I don't drink coffee. And you would basically spend, I think, like 60 cents less or something than you would if you were to buy coffee and they gave you like their styrofoam cups, I guess. Um, So you basically paid less if you brought your own mug. The same thing goes like, um, I think my university's hospitality services had eliminated using straws, which I know was really annoying and a lot of people were annoyed with that and I get it. But at the same time, it's like, you can get reusable straws that you, I think you can get them off of like Amazon or even if you like go into like Walmart or something like that, you can get reusable straws, you can get thing like my friends have chopsticks that they use, they have like metal chopsticks and stuff that they use. So there are a lot of different ways that you can eliminate the use of single-use things and especially I think it's a smart idea that a lot of restaurants and a lot of like fast food places are eliminating things like straws or no longer offer like plastic forks and spoons and stuff like that as a way to combat um, the amount of plastic that they use Um, and I know it's frustrating but I started bringing my own utensils in my bag wherever I go whether it's in my backpack or like in my handbag or whatever I always have like a spoon, a butter knife, as well as like a straw or something. Um, And then I also don't usually, I don't think like if you were to go to like, I don't think all restaurants do this, but I know it's becoming more popular. Like I still go to Tim Hortons and stuff and they still give you like a styrofoam cups and things like that for your drinks. But I don't know if it's like just the university Tim Hortons University Starbucks that allow you to get your drinks in your own um, reusable mug if you have one. I haven't seen anyone do that at like my local Tim Hortons or my local Starbucks, but I definitely think it's going to come to that because we're already seeing a push for people bringing their own utensils so that you don't have to pay as much because something that I learned is that you're not just paying for the drink, but you're also paying for the container that that drink comes in. So if you're able to bring your own container, then you save on a couple cents, which I know doesn't seem like a lot, but if you drink, if you drink coffee every day, and if you go to Starbucks every day to get your drink, 
then it definitely will save you on some dollars, save you on some money um, if you are a regular consumer of those things. Um, the next thing on the list is kind of the same idea, but it's just reusing existing things instead of throwing them out. So like keeping your shoe boxes, your jam jars, your chocolate boxes. I always get like around Valentine's Day, I always get like Ferrero Rocher chocolates from friends and stuff and they're shaped in like these heart-shaped containers and like you can literally take out like the inner like wrapping part and then I use them to store like my jewelry and stuff like that. Um, we like to keep our wine bottles as well. My mom likes to put fake flowers in our wine bottles. You can obviously like clean them out, wash them, you can decorate them, you can use them for DIY crafts and stuff like that. My mom's really into DIYing things and DIYing like decorations in our house and stuff. So just being able to repurpose things that you already have. Um, I have a tip for you guys. If you're someone that consumes like a lot of berries, like blueberries, strawberries or whatever, and you get them in like the little plastic boxes that they sell them in at grocery stores and they go bad, especially now that it's the summer, they they go bad a lot faster due to the heat. Take them out of the plastic container that they come in at the grocery store, wash the berries, and then put them into an empty jam jar. Or you can freeze them and they will last a lot longer. So not only are you helping, well, I guess you still have to throw out the plastic container, but still reuse your jam jars. Um, you can put whatever you need to in them. My, brother and I have some in our rooms that just carry like stationery and stuff. So repurposing things that you already have in your house is a good idea. My next kind of tip for you guys is to be mindful of how much you consume and how much you spend. I was watching this YouTube video a while ago um, of a YouTuber that I actually really respect. But she was going through and like cleaning her room and she's talking about how she feels like she spends way too much because she was throwing out a lot of her makeup that had just dried up and like she couldn't use anymore and like she felt very guilty for having spent so much money on things that she never ended up being able to finish and it's not only a waste of money but it's also bad for the environment so i guess the point of that is just to try and only purchase things that you can use long term and that you know that you'll enjoy for a long time and won't lose interest in um, this especially applies to things like clothes. Um, I know these days it's really like, I guess it's considered cool to go thrifting, which I think thrifting is really a great way for you to save money and it's a good way to like avoid fast fashion and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, thrifting doesn't really stop overconsumption. It doesn't buy, it doesn't fix like the problem of people buying more than they need. The next thing is to donate unwanted things or things that you no longer use, no longer enjoy, no longer fit. Instead of throwing them out, you can donate your clothes. I know that you can sell them as well on things like Depop and stuff like that, so it's a good way for you to make money. Um, getting rid of any old toys that you don't need, donating them to like a school or like a daycare or stuff like that. Um, you can donate them to like a thrift store or Salvation Army. Um, we have a lot of books in my house and all of our like children's books that my brother and I collected when we were really young 
we ended up donating them to my mom's workplace because she works with kids and we also donated a bunch to our local library um the next thing that i have for you guys that this is something that i haven't actually done yet and i need to remember to start doing this is to unplug your devices from electric outlets when they're not in use this will not only be good for the environment but it also will prevent your electricity bills from skyrocketing so anytime you're not charging your phone or you're not charging your laptop or whatever it is that you're using just unplug it from the socket um the last thing that i have is to look for alternatives if they're available and what i mean by this is just look for um like greener options i guess so for example grocery bags um the plastic bags that they give you uh, like supermarkets and stuff you can actually reuse them i know a lot of people tend to throw out like the plastic bags that you get from grocery stores but like there's no reason to throw them out if they're still clean and you know you're still able to use them um we use them as garbage bags um we have a bunch of we never throw out grocery bags um and i think a lot of stores most of if not all stores will charge you like 25 cents or something per bag versus you buying like a tote bag this one time and then being able to reuse it every time you go grocery shopping i also got a bunch of free tote bags at different events that i've been to like from volunteering um i got a bunch from like my university from volunteering and stuff um they'll just give out free stuff and they they are not that expensive especially because you only have to buy them you don't have to buy them very frequently unless like they rip or something like that um so being able to find alternatives to disposable items if you can um i know right now people are talking about like wooden um wooden toothbrushes instead of plastic ones because the plastic ones you throw directly in the garbage and i believe the wooden ones you don't have to throw in the garbage i think you can actually throw them in the compost i'm not entirely sure or you can recycle them i'm not entirely sure but apparently wooden toothbrushes or like bamboo toothbrushes are more sustainable and eco-friendly than plastic um this obviously like depends on what the product is like i know for us those of us that have our monthly periods as fun as they are the menstrual cup and like reusable feminine hygiene products are now a thing but again it's not accessible everywhere not everyone feels comfortable with them um especially things like a menstrual cup i know a lot of people are not comfortable with that and that's totally fine that's totally fair and this is going back to my point earlier saying do whatever you can don't feel like you need to do everything so if you're not comfortable using a menstrual cup then obviously you don't have to do that and you shouldn't feel guilty for not using it um and again things like feminine hygiene products and stuff they're not accessible everywhere and even like in some parts of the world being able to access just the regular disposable pads and tampons is hard enough and there's so many women across the world that don't have access to anything at all for feminine hygiene products so it's definitely a privilege to have reusable ones the next couple of things are common ways or things people do or use that are less feasible or more difficult to do um, and it's not for everyone 
and basically the next couple of things are just not realistic for everyone to do it's not realistic for a general population to do for the first one going vegan um like i said i have an entire episode on this topic so definitely go and listen to that but again going vegan isn't i don't have anything against veganism i just don't think it is for everyone not necessarily because for multiple different reasons and like i said there's a whole episode on this but i just don't think it's for everyone due to multiple factors including cost um culture things like that um buying local is also one of those things that a lot of people buying local is great but i kind of also talked about this in the plant-based diet episode from a few months back but buying local depending on where you live isn't always realistic especially if you live in a place where it gets really cold um obviously like now that it's summer we have farmers markets and stuff in ontario so uh, we're able to support our local farmers um but in the winter that's really hard we get a lot of stuff that gets shipped to us from down south in the u.s as well as in mexico so being able to buy local it's more realistic for some people than others depending on where they live depending on the season depending on what you're buying and the last one is buying hybrid cars or fully electric cars um i was actually having a very interesting discussion about this with one of my friends and we're talking about like how the accessibility of charging stations is not nearly as much um as like a regular patrol gas station would be and i know gas prices are obviously super high right now but like if you just think about it like how many gas stations do we have compared to how many places have parking lots where you're able to charge an electric car, right? It's not the same accessibility and obviously still buying a fully electric car, buying something like a Tesla, it's not the most feasible thing. Going on the topic of affordability and accessibility, um, being sustainable shouldn't be expensive, but for some reason it is. And I did a lot of research on this, so the next couple of things I've read a couple articles and I watched a couple documentaries on this. Um, but the quality of materials being used is quite high when it comes to making something more sustainable. Um, and it also increases production costs. But the problem is that the demand for a lot of these sustainable products or sustainable alternatives is still quite low compared to their um, disposable, not so eco-friendly alternatives. And that's kind of the primary reason why costs are high due to the quality of the materials and production. Um, I have an example of this for myself. I recently got a new phone about two months ago now, and I heard about this phone case brand called Pila. You might have heard of it. And they basically create phone cases that are made of recycled material, I think. Um, and I wanted to purchase one because I wanted to obviously contribute to sustainability movements and stuff. But I looked at the price and they were pretty expensive to be able to buy a Pila case, like even just one. And while I'm not in, I'm, I was able, like I would have been able to afford a Pila case, but it's more just like I wasn't willing to spend that much money on a case. Um, especially because like my phone plan is only like two years, so I know that I wouldn't need it after my phone plan expires. So I opted to buy a cheap phone case, which I know is not as sustainable and I would have to throw away in the garbage. 
and it's not made from the most sustainable material. But again, <clears throat> sorry, again, um, you don't have to do everything. And obviously, like, you're not going to be able to convince people to or at least you're not going to be able to convince like the general public to purchase things that are very expensive for the sake of the environment and I tried doing some research on this like I said and I definitely do understand why a lot more eco-friendly options are more expensive but at the same time I think the goal with sustainability is to get the general public to be on board and to support sustainability movements and sustainability practices and with the costs right now of those products, you're not going to be able to convince the general public to invest in things that cost that much. Um, so I have this quote from an article that I'm going to read aloud to you. So it's, it's an odd thing about sustainable products. The demand for them is low, despite the fact that most sustainable options are healthier, longer lasting, and more eco-friendly than many conventional alternatives. They lack street credit and popularity to catapult them into the mainstream. Low demand translates to a higher price. And if you think about why the demand is low, it's because people either don't know too much about them. Like I didn't know about the whole Pila case thing until one of my friends told me about it. And I know that, you know, they're not, you know, they're not a brand that you see like at like a cell phone accessory cart. Like you don't find those types of brands there. And people just don't know about them. And at the same time, they're very expensive, so they're not going to be popular because people are always going to want to spend as less, as less money as possible. And so the fact that a lot of these products are high in price, it's not attractive. Um, according to Shopping with Good Intent, sustainable living is on the rise, but that demand has not yet reached a point where sustainable Where, um, sorry where um, sustainable products are considered profitable compared to their counterparts. Um, so there's a whole explanation in this article as to why sustainable products are more expensive. And it basically just says that they're more difficult to create and more expensive to create. And they use the example of a plastic fork, comparing it to a bamboo fork. So it says a plastic fork is easy enough to mold, press, and sell, um, but the bamboo fork might take more time and resources and more polishing to create, um, whereas the sustainable fork also might involve renewable energy and might be packed in recycled or biodegradable packing, um, but it also involves paying workers a more fair and equitable salary. So all of those things cost more than the plastic forks and the plastic materials. Um, so that's kind of the reason why a more sustainable product would cost more. Um, the other thing that this article mentions is all natural fibers and cruelty-free compounds um, and scientific advancements all cost money. So in order to make those things more sustainable, you need to start gathering or growing sustainable building blocks. Um, so. It's basically just saying, like, basically giving you a reason as to why a lot of the more sustainable counterparts are more expensive. Um, but at the same time, there's another article that I found that says, it's published by uh, CBC, so it claims that buying green is too pricey for average consumers and sustainability only seems to target 
a more wealthy population instead of targeting a general population that includes the lower and middle class. So again, like what I said, um, it's kind of really only targeting the people that can't afford to buy sustainable products, which kind of defeats the purpose. Because while I understand why some of these products cost a lot more, it doesn't really help if you don't have a lot of people buying them. Not a lot of people are using them and it's only targeting a small population of people that can't actually afford them. Whereas if you really want to achieve like sustainability and if you really want to get people to practice sustainability, you need to appeal to all populations. You need to appeal to the lower class, middle class, high class, all of them. So putting a price on these products that can't be purchased by people from different classes, different financial situations, it's not realistic and it doesn't really help the whole sustainability movement, I guess is what the point of this article is. I definitely think that a lot of the more eco-friendly alternatives um, for like eco-friendly alternative products, I think they're going in the right direction in terms of, you know, they have the right idea and I think it's all with good intent, but at the same time, like, you're only appealing to one certain population, you're only appealing to a certain group, and if you really, like, in order to achieve, you know, goals like that, in order to get people to actually care about sustainability, you need to make your products appealing and attractive, and price plays a really big factor into that, and I know this, like, it's going to take a lot of research for them to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to make products sustainable while also making sure we're using the right materials, but also minimizing the costs, minimizing production costs, minimizing the cost of materials so that people, more people can start investing in these products and using them. And we can target a bigger population of people. We can target people from all sorts of financial backgrounds so that we're not just, we're not just targeting the people who have the most money. Because at the end of the day, like you can't achieve sustainability if you only have one population of people that are able to practice it. Sustainability should be something that can be accessible and practiced by everyone, but at the moment in our current society, I don't think it is. Sustainability, like I said, I think is a privilege to be able to practice, and I think there are a lot of people in situations that want to help and want to contribute, but just can't because of affordability and other factors. So I think there needs to be more research done by a lot of these companies that create products that are supposed to be more eco-friendly in order to make them more accessible, more affordable to a general population of people. The last thing I kind of want to talk about is how major companies contribute to the sustainability movement. So I did some research on some of the biggest companies at the moment, kind of just went through and read through some recent sustainability reports over the last couple of years. Um, In this whole section, I'm going to be talking about like the integrity of some of the sustainability goals that a lot of these companies have um, and like how much you can actually trust their word. So I researched Amazon just because it seemed like the most, it's the biggest company right now. Everybody uses Amazon for the most part. And so the next couple of things that I have for you are either just some sustainability goals that Amazon has as a whole company or things that they have done, as well as um, some reports and some criticisms that Amazon has been facing. So 
In 2019, Amazon co-founded the Climate Pledge, which is their goal to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2040. And in 2020, Amazon became the world's largest corporate purchaser of renewable energy. And they also purchased electric vehicles, or at least more electric vehicles than they already had to use for their delivery services. Despite all of these, Amazon is still criticized for its packaging materials as a lot of their material used to package and ship items is not reusable. And these non-reusable materials are a major contributor to ocean plastics. A report from Ocean A in 2020 analyzed the packaging data and found that Amazon generated 465 million pounds of plastic packaging in 2019 alone. And Amazon typically uses plastic packaging such as bubble wrap and air pillows and they don't seem to have a statement, at least on their website, that talks about their packaging and how they can make their packaging more sustainable and eco-friendly. There are also several reports that claim they have underestimated their carbon footprint and won't be able to achieve their goals because they aren't making the changes that they said they would as fast as they should be. I found another article on BBC that discusses a study conducted by New Climate Institute. They basically studied 25 really big companies across the world and they have found that they're already starting to fail, fail some of their climate action goals. So I'm going to share some of the findings of this study with you guys. Um, so the first finding is that most of these companies tend to misreport their progress. Um, so like I said, one of Amazon's goals is to reach net carbon zero by 2040, and they want to power their operations with 100% renewable energy by 2025. Um, so according to the study, the strategies that companies have said that they would place and follow would reduce emissions by a maximum of 40% by their target date and not the 100% like the original claim that the company stated. And they would only receive the more realistic um, 40% reduction if they actually keep to their word and implement the strategies that they discussed. The study gave each of the companies that they researched an integrity score. The highest score that a company could receive was high integrity, and none of the 25 companies that were included in the study actually received that score. And out of the 25 companies that they studied, only five of them were given a score of reasonable integrity, while the remaining 20 received scores of either moderate, low, or very low integrity. So it kind of just goes to show that a lot of these companies are, I guess, oh, underestimating how long it will take for them to reach these goals, and they're not researching enough, and they don't have as good of an understanding of what it takes to actually achieve their climate action goals. The other thing to keep in mind is that a lot of these companies will say that they have these goals and they'll have all these reports and all this, all these claims about making their company more eco-friendly, but it's used as a marketing strategy to get people to support them. People want to support companies that are eco-friendly, but then the company itself doesn't actually care for the environment they only make those statements as just to basically get a bigger audience and to get people to support them and they don't actually end up following through with their plans 
So it's really just like, can we trust these companies or not when it comes to their claims on their climate action goals? And it's this whole article is basically just showing how dishonest some of these companies are and how much their integrity just isn't there when it comes to climate goals. Um, so that's pretty much it for this episode. The last things that I have for you guys are just some documentary recommendations um, that kind of talk in, about different parts of the environment and like how different practices affect the environment because I didn't get into everything. Obviously, sustainability and climate change are such really, really big problems that are influenced by multiple different things and it's going to be impossible to cover everything in one single episode. Um, the first documentary that I have for you guys is called Seaspiracy, which basically just looks into the harmful effects of commercial fishing and how it affects marine life. The next one is called The Biggest Little Farm, and I believe, I haven't finished watching this one, but it follows, I think there are a couple that um, tries to um, practice sustainable farming, and they kind of go into like the reality of sustainable farming and like how it can be really challenging. The last one I have for you guys is on my watch list. I haven't actually watched it yet, but it's called The True Cost. And I believe it focuses more on consumerism and a particular focus with like clothing consumption. Um, so I believe this will talk th about things like fast fashion, thrifting, and like clothing costs, production costs, stuff like that. So as you can see, there are multiple different ways that different aspects and different, I guess, sectors contribute to climate change. And it just goes to show that there are so many different ways that we need to be combating climate change and obviously like I said you can't do everything you can't be perfect um but I hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode I hope that um it's helped you guys I hope that some of the suggestions I gave you guys at the start of the episode um you guys will use some of them if you don't already um please let me know if you would like me to touch on sustainability and climate change in a future episode like I said, this is something that I'm really passionate about, um, but obviously it requires a lot of research um, and there's so much that I could talk about on here. So please let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Um, give this podcast a rating or a comment. Um, share this with your friends if you enjoyed it. It really does help my podcast and it helps me figure out what kind of episodes to make for you guys because we talk about a lot of different stuff on here. Um, but with that, thank you so much for listening, my friends, and I will catch you guys next time. Bye, everyone.